The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. But if you're listening by the radio, by way of radio, and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from the previous day. So if you missed that and you want to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock, at which time he'll be on in that little area live. So be sure to check that out at 3 p.m. Eastern. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got there. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. Join us in the chat on Rumble. We got a lot of friends over there in the morning and uh, good to see you guys. And then also be sure to subscribe to the channel over there. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel on Rumble. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And then also we are streaming to beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. And we appreciate Michael Roach and his team giving us a spot over there right under where we're streaming live on sonslibertymedia.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter. These are all the articles we're putting out each day. You get that in your inbox, either late afternoon or early evening. Uh, If you want our ministry email, you want to know what the Sons of Liberty are doing, what we have done, what we are doing, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com and you'll see how we're teaching our Christian constitutional heritage across um, the country, not only in person, but on the radio and through the internet. So be sure to sign up for that email if you want updates on that. That goes out once a week on Saturday. You can do that right off the front page if you want to do that. Now, we got a special guest this morning, and I'm I'm really excited, uh, so excited. I went and watched uh, another of his testimonies uh, and actually picked up again the Machine Gun Preacher uh, video that I'd seen years ago, and I started to watch that again. But, you know, this guy, before I introduce you, to him, he reminds me of this young man. Years ago, several years ago, there was this guy by the name of Brett Felton, and this guy was over in Afghanistan or Iraq. I forget. He was in the army, and he stayed behind to help the people who were there uh, because they were being attacked from all angles, and they didn't know what to do. And so he trained them. He he stayed there, and I tell you, it was a. This is a young man. He's in his twenties. 
And you just don't hear a lot of young men speak like this nowadays. He said, it would be an honor to give my life helping these people here. Ah, isn't that what scripture calls us to? Greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Isn't that what Jesus did? Yep, he laid it down for us. And he not only calls us friends, he calls us brothers. We've been made part of the family of God through the work of Christ. And so with that said, uh, many of you may be familiar with Sam Childers. He's been termed as the machine gun preacher. And uh, I'm very happy and privileged to welcome him to the Sons of Liberty. So good morning, Sam. Good to see you, man. Hey there, buddy. Yeah. Having an awesome day, I hope. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's it's hot here. I got to tell you, man, it's I told my daughters, I said, I really think they brought out these heart weather weapons or something. It is <laughs> it is so hot outside. It has it has physically made me and my family sick to just be out there. It's just yeah, it's well, terrible. I know some areas is a little overboard hot, but I love it hot. I mean, if it's if it's 100, 115, I'm OK. But if it's cold, I'm not okay. I mean, I shake like a leaf. I can't. I can't be nowhere near cold weather anymore. <laughs> well, listen. Well, you you go to an area that's that's pretty hot, but is it muggy and humid and sticky and everything like it is down south you here? Know, when you hit a hundred, hundred and ten, it's all the same. Everyone said, "Is it a dry heat, wet heat? It's hot, but I like it like that." Well, now, see, when I went out to California and I went out to Nevada several times and it got up over 100, it was a completely different kind of heat than it is here in the South because yeah. it's out there or it, there it's it's bearable to me. It's not bearable right. out here. It, I mean, <laughs> you, I go out for five minutes. I, I was cutting laminate flooring the other week and just took it out for like one minute to cut the piece of laminate and the yeah. laminate was sweating. It well, was sweating. I, I, I lived in Georgia for a number of years and lived in Florida for a number of years. And certain times a year, it gets really hot down there. The good thing, Florida, it seemed like it would rain every day. Just a hard downpour and then cool everything off and get hot again. Yeah, yeah, it's I, it's it's really something. But here here's the thing: we didn't come on to talk about the weather. Uh, but but I but I tell you what: I love your attitude. I love what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Uh, under the the authority of King Jesus. And you know, Sam, there are so many people in this world, They all they want to talk about is how the devil's ruling the world and this, that, and the other. And, and they forget that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's how he could go and say, therefore, go and teach, disciple the nations, right? That So right. people have lost this sight that Jesus is king now. He's not waiting to be king off in the future. Well, he is now. I believe that sometimes we give the devil too much credit. Amen. I believe so many people want to give the devil credit, and he's not doing anything. He's just sitting back, looking at you, being scared of him. I mean, if we if if we serve Jesus Christ, we should have the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said we can do the same thing that he's doing in his name. Come on. So I believe that Christians need to stand up and start being who they claim they are, and that's with no fear. But I mean, unfortunately, we live in a world that thrives off of fear. Since COVID, they're saying more than 70% of people that has had COVID is now dealing with anxiety. So I believe that the Christians are not what they should be. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, when I get up in the morning, I believe I let the devil know that I'm up and he better move out of my way. Amen. 
Go on, brother. I, I love that. I love that attitude. Let's let's start off with a little bit because some people may not be familiar even and some people may have seen the movie or seen your documentary or, or read about you and, and things of this nature. Tell people where you came from to get to the place where you're at. Can you give us a, a brief well, testimony when, there? When you hear my testimony, sometimes it shocks a lot of people because I was raised in a Christian family. I lived in probably the perfect Christian family you could ever have. I lived in a middle-class family. At, at a very young age, if you was to ask me, Sam, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'd have told you I'm going to be a preacher. Five years old, six years old, eight, nine, ten years old, I'd have told you I'm going to be a preacher one day. <laughs> but at 11 years old, I started smoking marijuana, started doing some pills, uh, 12 years old, drinking. By the time I was 13 and 14, I'm doing acid, uh, snorting cocaine. By the time I was 15 years old, I was putting a needle in my arm, shooting up heroin, shooting up cocaine. By the time I was 16 years old, I quit school. Uh, I was working, but I was selling drugs, not a little bit, a lot of drugs. Uh, I started riding with the motorcycle clubs. Uh, I become a first-class criminal drug dealer, you name it. Uh, not, not a little bit. I mean, I was selling major amounts of drugs by the time I was 18 years old. I moved to Orlando, Florida. That's when everything started going crazy. I mean, uh, uh, I started running drugs from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Chicago, Chicago to Orlando, Florida. <clears throat> By the time I was in my 20s, I was full on living the life of a criminal. And it was hard for me to quit my addiction because you got to remember, I wasn't the guy buying the drugs. I was the guy selling the drugs. So I had the drugs. Uh, but you got to remember, I was from a Christian background, good parents. Living in Orlando, Florida, I got into a really bad bar fight one night. <clears throat> people got shot. People got stabbed. And that night I was in the back of the bar. <clears throat> and I said, if I make it to that door, I'm done living this life. Now, a lot of people, they, they think, oh, that's when he gave his life to the Lord. And I speak in rehabs around the world. That's when I made up my mind, I'm done living this life. I believe that Christians, we treat God, we treat our Lord Jesus Christ like he's a genie in a bottle. That's right. When we need something, we want to rub that bottle. We hope he pops out and does a magic trick. That's not how God works. God wants you first to make up your own mind. Then he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be there with you. I made up my mind that night in that bar. I'm done living this life. And it was actually two years later that I walked into a church and gave my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. I, I, your your background is very similar to mine. I didn't get into the cocaine and heroin, but the other and the dealing. And I had my father was Southern Baptist pastor. I had the same thing when I was five or something like that. I thought I was going to be a preacher and, and things of that nature. And then my life, you know, I just decided to be rebellious and do those things. But you you said something in your testimony in your in on the video on your website 
that reminded me of a preacher down in Louisiana I used to listen to, old old style preacher. And he used to say, you people going to Jesus and saying, I'm going to give you my heart. He said, he don't want your old dirty heart. And I heard you no, say that because that's the absolutely. first thing he takes out and he gives you a heart of flesh. So what happened when you, what happened? You, you decided, I'm not going to live this life. I don't know if you decided what life you're going to live, but. No, June of 1992, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was literally in an old fashioned church service. I gave my life to the Lord. I couldn't even get up out of my seat. The preacher come walking back to me. I gave my life to the Lord, but I wanted more. And the next night I sat in the front row. Well, that preacher, I just wanted the altar call. I, I heard all these messages when I was little. I just wanted him to do the altar call. He gave the altar call. I jumped up. I just wanted him to lay hands on me and start praying. <clears throat> he takes a couple steps back. And he begins to prophesy. And the more he prophesied, the matter I got. He started telling me I'm going to Africa. I'm thinking, I ain't going to Africa. I'm a white man. Why would I go to Africa? He started <laughs> telling me I'm going to be in a war. And I'm thinking, I'm already married. I'm not going to get in another war. And I mean, I was getting angry. The more he prophesied, I walked away from that altar, went outside, waited outside the church. I was going to beat that preacher up as soon as he walked through the door. He comes out of the church. I started cussing him out. Don't tell me I'm going to do this. Don't tell me I'm going to do that. And preachers are all the same. He looked at me with a big smile on his face, and he said, we'll see. That was June of 1992. 19, uh, I went home to the, home that night and cried in the bed because I knew I was to go to Africa. I started the very next day. I ordered me a Bible study. I started studying the Word of God. By 1993 and 94, I knew without a shadow of a doubt I was to be in Africa. So I was in construction. So I started putting a little bit of money in Africa. But the more that I put there, the stronger the calling got. 1995, 96, I started writing checks out for thousands of dollars. 1997, I wrote a check out for $20,000, walked out on my porch, looked up in the air, and I said, God, wouldn't you want my money instead? And I could hear his voice and say, no, I need you. Come on. That's right. That's right. Well, somewhere in there, somewhere in there, you're converted. And it's like what Jesus says, you can't see the wind, but where the spirit goes, you see the evidence of him working. And he's obviously, when, when he drives somebody to the scriptures like that, see, that's what he was doing yep. to me before my conversion. I, could, I read the scriptures. I couldn't tell you what I read, but I would, wow. I would read it. And even the narratives, I couldn't tell you. But yeah. he's worked in your life. You were giving money, so you were you did have an investment, uh, you know, in what you were doing. And now you're you're sensing, okay, this is the reality. I can't sit here and just write checks. I gotta go do something. So what is it that Sam Childers now, goes and does? On my first trip, and now if there's one thing I tell people all the time, I'm famous because I tell the truth. I always tell people if you're ugly, don't ask me if you're pretty. I might tell you you're pretty ugly. But I literally, in my mind, was, uh, uh, planned on going on a five-week mission trip. 
And in my mind, I was thinking, I'm going to go on this mission trip and I'm done. So when I went, I thought it was just a one-time thing. I got into South Sudan and got into the middle of an ambush, went into a village. What really turned me, I went into a village that was uh, raided. People were killed. We went there looking for children that may have been hiding. And when we got in there and we're looking for the children, I come across the body of a small child that from the waist down was gone. And I stood over that body and I, I couldn't understand how can this happen in the world today? And it's still going on in East Africa and we don't hear about it. So I literally said these words and I didn't know what I was saying. I said, God, I'll do whatever it takes to help these people. I went, I, so I was there five weeks, got in ambushes, got into fighting, but in, I went back home and for three months, I couldn't think, I couldn't work. So I went back within three months, and I knew that this was going to be my work. Uh, within six months, I started the first orphanage in South Sudan, in the middle of the war zone. I bought some land. Uh, the government came out. They said, Sam, you can't build an orphanage here. Uh, Sam, the rebels are going to kill you. And I threw my tools down on the ground and I said, I know you need to tell God because this is where God wants it. That, uh, that children's village is still there to this day. Over the years, it was attacked three times. The rebels never made it through the bamboo fence. <clears throat> the movie Machine Gun Preacher shows that the enemy burned it to the ground. Not true. The truth is they could never, they would shoot RPGs at the fence. And when they would shoot the RPGs at the fence, it literally would nosedive and uh, uh, would never penetrate through the fence. I mean, God just protected that orphanage. So I had the one orphanage and God said, I want you to do another orphanage. So I started a second orphanage. And one day when that orphanage was finished, I could hear the voice of God telling me, if you're just going to build orphanages and that's it, maybe you should go home. So I started crying out to him. I wanted him to tell me what, what, what he meant by that. What most people don't realize, if you're in a third world country and you're in an orphanage, when you're 15 years old, now ours is 18, but when you're 15 years old, you have to leave. More than 70% of those children end up in prostitution. And more than 70% of them end up dying of AIDS, diseases, or violent crimes. So I started a restaurant in Kampala teaching a trade how to be a waiter, how to be a waitress, how to be a prep cook, how to be a chef. And it worked. So then about 12 years ago or so, 14 years ago, then I started into a, uh, uh, a farm. The farm started out at 200 acres. Now it's over 1,200 acres where we teach farming, ranching, and irrigation. So we're very big into creating jobs. But I always tell people, God won't give you any more than you can handle. So if God gives you something small, take care of it. He'll keep adding to it. So over the years... 
We started creating businesses. We have five orphanages. Some of them are just homes, small homes, where they might have 30 to 40 children. But we have businesses now that go from farming, ranching, irrigation, to a supermarket, fuel station, auto mechanics, construction. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, we have a tire shop. We have two restaurants. But we have over 600 young people on a payroll. Now, we don't want to hire you and work you for the rest of your life. We want to train you for two to three years to give you a skill and a trade. I believe if you're going to change a nation, it takes Jesus Christ first. Amen. But we need to teach people a skill and a trade. That's right. Now, what else we also do, if you want to change a nation, it also takes professional people. So some of our children that are really smart, like if my dad and mom would have sent me to college, that would have been stupid because I was not college material. But if you want to change a nation, it takes teachers, it takes lawyers, it takes doctors, it takes nurses. So that's what we do too. We have young people that's in university that's learning a professional trade as well as hardworking people. And it's literally working. I mean, this has been this has been 25 plus years now that I've been in East Africa working. That's it's absolutely incredible. I think you're laying out for people what the Great Commission is. It's not just I'm going to give you the gospel and Jesus is going to save you. And OK, you're saved. And so now I'm just going to move on to the next person. There's an idea. And at least in, I, that's why I quote Matthew, because he says you're to disciple the nations. And what are disciples? Well, they're learners. And so yeah. you're going to teach them things, not just but, stuff they have in their heads, but what they do, how they conduct themselves and and how they how they can learn things along well, the way. That's part of what you're talking about, how they can live their life. If you, if you look at America, America used to be the greatest nation in the world. We're losing it. We are not the greatest Amen. nation in the That's world right. anymore. We were founded on and God we trust. And they want to change that now. They want to separate God and government. But we were also founded on uh, hardworking people. Nobody wants to work anymore. That's right. I mean, I got a I got a bike shop here in Pennsylvania. It's run by a young lady and my brother. I mean, we can't find no one to work in a bike shop. We'll, we will pay a Harlan mechanic from $16 an hour to $25 an hour. We have an office. Our main office for Angels of East Africa is here in Pennsylvania. If somebody knows QuickBooks, we'll pay from $16 an hour to $20 an hour. We'll pay young kids. We have a campground also. Young kids that's still in school, 14, 15 years old, 10 and $12 an hour to mow grass. Nobody wants to work anymore because everyone's dependent on God. Let me tell you how Christians are. We're so, de we're so uh, not on God, on the government. We're so dependent on the government that we're making God angry. That's right. Uh, it, because it says in the word of God, we serve a jealous God. When we go to the government for our hope and our food, now it used to be called food stamps. Now it's called access card. When we go to the government for that and we don't pray to God for a miracle, 
God is a jealous God. And I believe that's why Christians are not being blessed today, because they choose the government instead of choosing the Lord Jesus Christ for their miracle. Amen. Brother, I can't say it any better. I mean, I've talked even about the lawless money we have. Our Constitution has gold and silver, only means of paying debt. And now we got pieces of paper that the Federal Reserve in their own documents say it's worthless. It only means something in your mind. It's just a piece of paper. And you're exactly right when you're talking about people working. The guys who came over before who began to establish the the colonies and, and such, those guys, the American dream for them was to be able to work. To, to have know, a good work a ethic, people, it was it was to have government that was yeah. governed by God and by the Word of God. A lot of people get angry when they hear me preach because this is what I see in the world today. Right now, the government, and I don't know how it is in your area, they have almost doubled the food stamps. Now, it's sure. called asset card. What the government wants to do is make Americans fat. We are the leading country in the world for uh, obese people. When you're fat, you're what? You're lazy and you're tired. That's exactly what the government wants us to be. Now, I could lose a few pounds, okay? But I tell you what. I pay for my food. What Americans need to do, we need to get back to being Americans. We need to be hardworking, God-fearing people. But we don't fear God no more. That's right. I don't know what's going on in your area, but in my area, they got this transgender stuff where men or, or people that are male is thinking they're female. Take your clothes off, look in the mirror, okay? And for things hanging there, you're a man, be a man, That's stand right. up and be a man. Come on. In, in our local school here, there's a girl in school, supposedly, I'd never seen her. She thinks she's a cat. That is demonic. So they put, instead of trying to get her counseling, they put a litter box in this in the in the schoolroom. Come on. If any person, a man or a woman that can walk and talk that thinks they're an animal, that is demonic. Yeah. Well, it's it's God turning, it's Romans 1. It's God turning them over to a reprobate mind, and then you've got other reprobates who want to come along, and misery loves company. So they say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll accommodate that," even though it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard. And I, I don't, I don't even go along with the trans. I believe we ought to take back the language. So I don't call them transgender; I call them transdelusional because that's what they've been put under. They've come been put on, under man. delusion. That's what they've been done. But, but for you, and I want to get some of this in as to what your work has been in Africa, because I want to bring it over here. I want to well, see. I want to see it applied our, in America. Our work is all about rescuing children. Yep. For twenty-five plus years, we have worked in war zone areas. We are still in South Sudan. Uh, all of our businesses is in Uganda. Uganda is like the land of milk and honey. Uh, the president of the country is God-fearing. His wife is born again, spirit-filled. I mean, so the the country, I call it the land of milk and honey. <clears throat> we still do a little work in Ethiopia. Ethiopia just come out of a two-year-plus uh, war, uh, the government and rebels, so they're still restructuring. Uh, we're, we just started work in Ethiopia. <clears throat> we're working on the border, but that's the war that I'm in right now. The people that I'm fighting now, you have heard the name ISIS, Islamic State, and ADF. 
They are the ones, and we believe that Joseph Coney's people teamed up with them as well. So when you say ISIS, I mean, this is a very serious problem. But our mission is rescuing children of war, going where nobody else wants to go. And that's 25 plus years. They say I'm one of the oldest Americans to ever still serve in an active war zone. I'm 61 years old, still putting on the uniform, still putting on the sidearms. You know, people say, what are you going in shooting people? No, we're going in rescuing children where nobody else will go. But what we're doing, like right now, out next to our farm, we just bought a town center. Now, a lot of people say, oh, you must have a lot of money. No, the town center was two big trees and the people come there on market day and they sell stuff. But what we're doing We fenced in one acre, we're building a school, we're building a church, we're building a big marketplace. We put in septic systems to put in proper toilets. We built a big kitchen area, we built dormitory staff houses, but we're building a big dormitory for the children that are rescued out of the Congo war. These children you cannot take into an orphanage. So we are literally developing a town center with a church and a school that's based on war victim children. Along with that, our farm and also with our donors, we're feeding over 10,000 mills a day. We're very big into drilling wells in South Sudan and mainly Northern Uganda. We've drilled over 50 wells over the years only deep wells. We don't drill shallow wells. You know, some people will say, well, you can hit water 60, 70 feet. The water can still have bacteria and parasites. We only drill wells way over 200 feet uh, deep in the ground. We have a new project. It's called the Bush Kids Project. I have never done anything on this scale It's been going on two and a half years. We go deep into the bush. We take doctors, nurses. We take a blood lab. We take medicine. We take security. And we begin to treat children for malaria, bacteria infections. Now the government, now you will hear just like the movie, it's like God has given me his favor which allows the government of Uganda, they have put the Ministry of Health with me because they don't have the budget to go into these deep areas to give yellow fever vaccine, measles vaccine, polio uh, uh, vaccine. So now they're working with us. This project is saving thousands upon thousands of children. So that's just a little bit of what our organization does. Over the past decade, we have built seven schools. The school we're building now is number eight school. We give away for the past five years our entire harvest at the farm. Just this past year, we have gave away over 90 ton of rice, 16 ton of beans and lentil, and about 10 ton of maize. We're not feeding people one day, one week, two weeks. We gave away thousands of people. We gave away uh, rations of three to four months ration of food. And if you Google starvation in East Africa, you're looking at millions of people going to die of no food. 
our ministry, we focus on one thing, saving children's lives and giving them a future. Amen. Amen. Uh, you might want to look in. I don't know if you've looked into the chlorine dioxide, but uh, there was a Christian missionary who went into Africa. Same thing. And this is not a pharmaceutical at all, but they were curing malaria in hours, literally in hours. And uh, they, yeah. they had Muslims who wouldn't let them preach. But they said, well, hey, wow. can we take care of your people? And they said, yeah, all the people are getting well. So the Muslims took them down. They had a radio station. And they said, as long as you keep helping our people, you can preach about Jesus on the radio. Now, you tell me that isn't God's favor yeah, in among the God. people. Uh, it's incredible. Well, they have, they have just got the vaccine for, uh, for okay, the malaria. And they have tested it for 10 years. It's supposed to be very, very effective. I know I have had malaria probably over a 25-plus year uh, period, way over 20 times I've had, and it's bad. I mean, malaria right now, if you Google malaria in East Africa, Uganda, northern Uganda is the leading area. In two months' time, reported over 6,000 cases in two months' time. Little children die of malaria. Elderly die of malaria. People that don't get treated die of, okay, like the malaria. And, and not only that, every village that we go into with the Bush Kids Project, we deworm everybody. It started out with just children. Then we started treating elderly. But God has given us the support. And keep in mind, anyone out there hearing us, if you want to get involved, you can be involved in these projects by going to Machine Gun Preacher. You know, our nonprofit name in the U.S. is Angels of East Africa. But if you go to the website, Machine Gun Preacher, you'll see that's where you can donate to all the projects. You can do child rescues. I mean, there, there's a really awesome movie that everyone's talking about freedom. But I was just on the 700 Club. 700 Club came on and said, look, this movie is awesome. This movie is changing uh, 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 or putting awareness on uh, children that's, that's out there that's uh, being forced into prost prostitution. But they said, here's a man that 25 plus years have been rescuing children in war zones. And when you rescue a child from a war zone, you're rescuing them out of prostitution being raped, being killed, any kind of war crime. That's what we do. But I want the world to know I can't do it if I didn't have people helping. I received the Mother Teresa Award, I think it was 2014, 2015, the largest award in the world for social justice. I'm the only American to ever receive that. But I give credit to everyone that helps our organization. If you weren't there, I would have never received the award. Well, whatever God calls you to, he does bring people to, to help you along with. There's, I mean, you can look at Gideon. He's got his 300. You can look at David and his men as he fled. Yep. You can look at any of the guys in the in the scriptures. I mean, Abraham, he's got Lot who's been, who's been taken captive. What, I mean, that to me is how the American family should be. He's got 318 trained men in his family, and Praise they just God. say, hey, these guys took our, your nephew. We're going to load up. We're going to get armed up, and we're going to get him back. 
whatever it takes. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's your good. attitude here. You, you've got on the, on the site here, just going to show people, I was showing it a minute ago. It says, if I ask you, if a madman came in and abducted your child and I said to you, I can bring your mm. child home, does it matter how I bring them home? In other words, does, is, is my use of force to go in and get them? Because again, this is the thing I see missing, Sam, when you're talking about men being men. In America, we've lost, that, we've lost that. I ask the question daily, <laughs> even of myself, how do we know in the, if you live in a county that has an abortion clinic, well, you know they're beheading, dismembering, burning babies Absolutely. alive. If they were doing that to a two-year-old, if they were doing that to a five-year-old, would you go down there and do more than just put up your sign and a track? To, on, no. I mean, I, I got to tell you, but we've been conditioned to that. And I, I claim it. Look, I, I've had that. I struggle with those yeah. things. And that's why I, I wanted to have you on because you're a guy who said, I'm not going out here and protesting. You had young boys that were being taken captive and they were being made to, to be trained to murder people. That's what they were tr being trained yeah. to do. You're rescuing those men. The scripture says this, just so people understand. Um, Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice mm. to the afflicted and the needy. Psalm 82.3. And if, you're <laughs> if, you're, if you want to call yourself religious... This is for you. James 1, 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself mm. unspotted from the world. And again, this is these are things that I thought of when I when I saw your story in the movie, and I, I realized they embellish a lot of stuff, too. By the way, you, yeah. you've got a new one that's going to be coming out pretty soon, too. They're, they're going to do a part they're two They're actually filming a new documentary Right now, as we speak, they're filming a new documentary, should be out in January. There's a third book that's coming out. I wrote two books, but there's a third one that's coming out at the same time. There's a new Hollywood movie that should be in production by the end of next year. And people say, well, what's the documentary about? What's the movie about? It's titled Never Stop. And that's what I did. I, I'm tired of hearing old people. I mean, I can classify myself as an old man now, but I'm tired of hearing old people say, well, you know, I'm going to set back. I'm going to let these young people take over. Listen, the young people don't know what they're doing. They still need our help. Amen. The Bible says that they're to get their wisdom from the gray hairs of the church. So listen, God's not done with you till you take your last breath. I don't care if you're in a wheelchair, if you're on crutches, you can still work for the kingdom of God and he can still use you as long as you have breath in your lungs. Amen. Amen. Now, you're, let's bring this over to, to America a little bit. Um, your, your work there speaks for itself in Uganda and Ethiopia and other parts of Africa. You mentioned this Sound of Freedom film that was out, and I've recently come across information where, I mean, I, I just kind of have a standoff thing anyway um, with, with certain people when I, when I see them as actors and such. And we're finding out that a lot of money that funded that film came from a guy who's been accused of child trafficking. And well, you, then I heard something like, that and too. we have a lot, and even the main guy now, you know, he, he, him and his organization, we're going to deal with that next week, but yeah. I, I am glad people are being made aware, but here's the thing I think that's going on. The reason they're so emboldened to just put that in front is because they know the majority yeah. of people are going to go there. They're going to be entertained. They're going to tell their friends to go see it. They're going to make lots of money, 
you know, over a hundred million dollars now. And the question that I have is how many people are going to say, Hey, what can I do besides what you said at the first? What can I do besides send money? If they send money, they feel good about that. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to that to support things, but if you're supporting, if your money, again, I'm going to bring some information next week for the, for the audience. So they know, but and, and let them judge. But if your money for that movie you think is going to get children out of that, and it's really going back in the hands of people who are trafficking children, that's You're a problem right. and you need to know about it. So how can we bring what you've been doing in Uganda, what you've been doing in Ethiopia and other places, what would be some points that you would say? Because I know there's some people listening right now, well, even me. You know, What do we start here with? In, here in America, many years ago, before people started recognizing me. There's not a day go by in America that someone doesn't recognize me. So I'm talking 15, 18 years ago, we used to go in undercover to rescue children that were being used as sex slaves here in America. So I don't know the whole story, what you're going to expose next week or, or whenever, but I will say this. Sometimes when you work undercover, you got to look dirty to catch the scumbag. Sure. So I so I know that's true. Now a little bit on this movie. I don't know if you heard this or not. Supposedly this movie was sold to Disney. And Disney yep. kept this movie down because they didn't want it to be exposed. You know, the only way we're going to stop child trafficking or uh, or children being sold as sex slaves, it begins with every person out there. If you see something that don't look right, don't sound right, put your nose in it. We get our nose in everything right. with our neighbors. We yep. get our nose in every garbage and gossip of the church. Let's start saving our children. That's exactly what I did. There was rebels killing children. As long as a rebel is killing a child in East Africa, I have a job, and my job is to stop it. We need to get involved worldwide saving our children. I agree. I agree. And there, and, and that's where I go here in the States. Now, I've got a friend, Drew Nolan, and he and I talked the other week. And again, I don't want people to think that I'm against. I don't know what it is with the mentality here. Maybe you've seen it. But if you even question anything like like the movie and such and, and some of the funding and all that other stuff, you're somehow you're for child trafficking or you're for Joe Biden. or what, And it's like, what? No, I'm just right. talking about this. I, I want to save children, too. I want to see them done. And Drew used to work with a, a group out of Arizona, and they did some of the very same things that you're talking about. They'd go in, rescue these children. And he says, Tim, it is nothing like you see in that movie. He said, those no, kids no. don't know who to trust. They don't run in your arms. They're scared no. to death of anybody that walks in the room. And and so there's a romanticizing, and it happens in every movie. I get it. People have to do that and have to go do their well, due diligence. But I believe, I believe when we do it for a while, like the last big rescue that I did, I went into the war zone area, and we, we drove two days to get in there with soldiers. When the children came out of the church, they literally said, some of us thought you were a myth. But other ones said, no, he's real and he's coming. Wow. So I believe that when you're someone like me, now, I hope this ministry goes on for decades after God takes me out of this world. But I've been doing this for 25 plus years, 
children are out there waiting on me. So that's why I tell people all the time, I'm not afraid to ask you for your money. I'm not afraid to ask you for your support. I know what I'm doing. You know, if you look at the movie, I got a motorcycle shop in Pennsylvania. You come to my motorcycle shop, the first thing people say is, why does he live in Africa? I live in Africa full time. Africa's my home. I will die saving children's lives. So, I mean, children, children do run to me when they see me and we're in the battlefield because they heard of me. They heard stories of me. And just like I said, some people thought that they were, they were like a myth, you know, but it's real. And children, after a long period of time, they are looking to get rescued and they're waiting. Now, I want everyone to realize there are children around the world that are waiting on someone someone. You could be that someone, but the only way you're going to rescue children, you got to not be afraid of the people that have them. Amen. Yeah. And I, I think that's exactly what it's, that's what I was getting at at the beginning of the show where I, you know, I'll hear people, they just kind of fill up their hands. Well, this is the way it's going to be. And, uh, you know, don't you know, what's written about in the Bible and, and because Satan is God of the world, well, then there's, there's really not much we can do. And I just sit there and I go, that is the complete opposite of the mindset of every man of God, every patriarch, the Lord Jesus yep. Christ, the apostles. I mean, the apostles of all people, almost all of them were killed for, for preaching the gospel. And yet they said, nope, Jesus is going to come. He's going to destroy this. He's establishing his kingdom. We're in it. Yep. You better repent, uh, bow before the king, all this kind of stuff they're doing out there. And they had hope. Not that the end was coming, but the beginning was coming. There was going to be a, there was going to be a world, as the scripture says, world without end. Amen, amen. As we sing the Gloria Patria at, yep. at times, and and Jesus is King, and they want people to bow the knee to Christ. That is the Christian message. It's not James, yeah, James chapter four verse seventeen mm. says, "If you know you should do, do something and don't and do not do it, you have sinned." That's right. So, I mean, I think I think all we need to do, now, there's a lot of Christians. God's not telling everyone to pick up arms and go into a war zone. That's right. God's not telling everyone to go into a crack house and look for children that's being sold for prostitution. But what God is asking everyone, look into someone that's doing it. Look into their financial records. Look into their track record. Look how long they're doing it. Look at the lifestyle that they're living. Look at the fruit. And then support that person. Yeah, look at the fruit. The fruit of your yeah. ministry, what God's given you. Look at the fruit and then say, do I want to support this guy? Do I want to be a part of that? That's And that's really, you know, Sam, that's really where I wanted to go with this. I wanted people to hear some of your story. And you've given us a lot more than that, which I'm grateful for. But it was to say, okay, I've heard enough. I've got enough information. What do I need to do now? Besides give money, maybe you can spend yeah. time, you know, learning something. I don't know. You, you you've can, got, you can actually, if you're out there and you hear this, you can contact my office in Pennsylvania. It's easy. Just remember machine gun preacher, go to the website. You can contact our office and if you want to give an offering, you want to give money, that's fine. We need your support. But you can also put boots on the ground. 
So when I say boots on the ground, now you're not going to go into no war zone, but there's something that those children need more than you going into a war zone. They need you to come in and love on them. They Amen. need you to teach them. Hmm. They need they need to know that people care. So you can visit our orphanages. You can teach in our school. You can go out. We just started this past year taking the people that come on mission trips on the Bush Kids Project. So you can go out and put your hands to work on our projects. So that has been for many years, but now we're taking you out doing unbelievable things. You can go to the farm. You can you can work uh, in our supermarket. What we do, if you want to go on a mission trip, we ask you, what is your skills and trades that you know? And then we make sure that when you get to East Africa, you're teaching our people a skill and a trade. So we not only need your help financially, we need your boots on the ground. Yeah, and you've got all, all, all kinds of opportunities. You were mentioning some of them there. And, and when I hear you saying it, you've got a big picture here. I mean, the Lord's given you a big vision of building the ecclesia, the kingdom of God, right there among it. And it and, you know, most people in their mind, they have kingdom of God. Oh, that's a pie in the sky out there. You know, yeah. we're going to be floating around on clouds and stuff like that. That's not what it is. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said it was there and it doesn't come with observation. It's in us and it works out of us. So you've got this one thing here where people can go. It's called nextstepministries.com. I want to ask you a little bit about that. These are student mission, mission trips. So if you've got young people who are interested in this, how long are these and what are they involved in as well? Okay, all of all of our all of our mission trips, all of them. Now I'm not sure which one you're talking about. Was that on our main website or where did you find that at? Yeah, that was at the end of your testimony, the uh, the twelve okay, minute testimony because, thing. Because some of them could be other ministries that went on our trips. Okay. But if you get a hold of our people, it doesn't matter from young people to older people, our mission trips are all three weeks long. Now, after, after you do two short-term <laughs> trips within two years or, or less, you have the opportunity of coming in long-term, and I'm talking dedicating a year. I have a young man right now and his wife, and they got a three-year-old baby. He's selling his business out. He went on two mission trips to Africa. He's selling his business. He's going in for one year. He wanted to dedicate five years, and I told him no, because that's something you would have to work your way out of if you decide you don't want to do five. So I tell people, if you want to do long-term, Dedicate to the kingdom one year and then see where God takes you afterwards. But we have short-term mission trips and we have long-term mission trips. And what we do, the application that you fill out on our website, that kind of tells us where we think God can use you the most. Now that can change. So you could work on one of our orphanages in South Sudan. You could be working in Uganda. You could be working in our supermarket. Keep in mind all the businesses that we have. We have hotels. We have supermarket, fuel station. They're all like in our in, inside of our supermarket. Everything is computer scanned and it's computers. But 
We don't have no requirements. So the people that come in are right from the bush. Some of them have no education. So we don't have job uh, job qualifications. The only qualification we have, be honest, work hard. And we bring people right out of the bush and we teach them a skill and a trade. Now, right now I'm building a like a strip mall, like a, a little shopping mall. They call them in America strip a strip mall. That is gonna have seven businesses. People say, well, Sam, you're all about making money. Yes, because if you want to do kingdom work, you want to give Bibles out, it takes money. That's right. But that strip mall is seven businesses that's going to create 30 full-time jobs. But we're building a conference room that we dedicated. So for the Christians out there that's hearing this, we're building a conference room that's dedicated from 7 in the morning till 12 midday on every Sunday to have church. So I because a lot of people, they say, well, I don't know if I want to give a donation for building a strip mall. Look what it's doing. It's creating jobs. Remember, if a young person does not have a job in a third world country, if they don't have a skill and a trade in a third world country, they will end up in prostitution. Hmm. Yeah, and the, and the Bible's pretty clear that we, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, and we should be teaching our children. You know, that was one of the things I taught my kids, and as they went to work at a particular place I won't make mention of now, but as each one went there, they go, oh, you're a brown kid, yet you're hired, because they knew yeah. they had a good work ethic. Why? Yeah. Well, mainly because dad's working all the time too but Come you on. you you demonstrate that to them and they pick that up and they carry it forward and we are to do our work as unto the lord the bible says sam uh we i want to hold you over just a little bit but what i want to do you've made mention of your site and stuff i want to give you a chance to give uh just a quick final word of exhortate well let's save that till we till we get to the end of the thing but you got about 30 seconds here tell people where they can find out more about you okay if i our name of our organization is Angels of East Africa, but it's too hard. You got to write it down, okay? So we use the name Machine Gun Preacher. That's my nickname. You can go on to the internet, just Google Machine Gun Preacher, go to that website. That's where you can begin to start serving. You can begin to start giving, but you can call our office. Most of the time, you're going to speak to Evelina, which is the lady that runs the organization. Any question you want to know, anything you want to know about projects from drilling wells to feeding programs, our one feeding program now is over 10,000 meals wow. every day. So Sam. there's so much. Our organization, if I talk for an hour, I can't tell you everything we do. Yeah. Hang on. We're going to continue this over sonsoflibertymedia.com, beforeitsnews.com, or rumble at Sons of Liberty Media Live or Sons of Liberty Radio Live and catch Bradley at three. Hang on. All right. I want to welcome everybody coming over from the radio. And I know it's a lot of stuff you got to throw in. You got 25 years worth of ministry. You've got all these. I don't know how a man keeps up with it, Sam. I, you, you're starting orphanages. You're drilling wells. You're, you're building these communities. I know you've got a lot of help, and I know the Lord provides in that. And I know you're probably a guy uh, who is like what the Lord Jesus says, pray that the Lord send you know those into the harvest fields to Absolutely. get them. And, uh, and he's responding in that. Can you get 
could you give us some examples maybe of times where that may have been a little tight and you're like, Lord, you put me out here. I'm doing all I'm doing. Do you have some help for me? There was times when I started this organization, I would fly on one-way tickets to Africa. If you, if you read my first book, there was times that in Kampala, I had no money. So you would actually stay in a house of prostitution. There was no money. People say, why would you stay there? Well, to start with, we got a lot of the prostitutes saved, and they're Amen. now born again. Amen. But we would stay there because we had no money. I mean, there was times that all I would eat was beans and posha, beans and rice. I mean, because there was no money. But God, when he seen I was serious, the first eight years was really tough. But now, what did God do? We have over 600 people on a payroll. That is young people learning a skill and a trade. The people in East Africa that works for our businesses, they are not volunteer. They are getting paid the rate of what people make in East Africa. You got to remember, if you want to change a nation, it's Jesus Christ first. But in East Africa... Those Christians can teach us how to pray. You know, I, I get a kick out of some missionaries. They, they say, I want to go to East Africa. I want to go to Uganda and teach people about Jesus. Listen, they can teach us how to pray. Come on. When we go to church, we want to be in church for 45 minutes. If it's over an hour, we're going to have a talk with the pastor. In East Africa, when they go to church, it's three to six hours. When they pray, sometimes it can go all day long, even through the night. I mean, they can teach us how to have church. What we are there doing, we are there teaching a skill and a trade to change a nation. And it's working. Yeah, you, you it, what you're saying reminds me of the guy I used to work for because he used to leave me in charge of the business. And he would go on a week or two down to, or maybe sometimes a month, down to Honduras. Honduras is his favorite place to go. And he would just give backbreaking work. And I remember one time he took some kids from his church, and it was a it was a fantastic story. They they went and there was they were building little cement block houses for these people, very small, like eight by eight or yep. ten by ten, something like that. And so they come in, they have to carry them the cement on their backs into the little village up and down hills and all this. They have to mix it there. Then they have to pour the slab themselves and do all the mortar and everything. So they get done, and these teenage kids who've been spoiled here in America, they they come up there, and they find that this uh, the, the lady they've been building the house for, she brings them two loaves of bread. Wow. A thing of bologna and some mayonnaise. And wow. I still remember him telling me. And those kids go, man, we've been working so hard, and this is all we got to eat. And he turned around Come and he on. said, you shut your mouth. That probably yeah. cost that woman a month's worth of work. And he she and, gave her best. And yeah, and he and those kids shut their mouth, and they ate, and they were thankful for it. And then they found yeah. out from the moment they poured that slab, that woman had been going and sleeping on that slab every day night she was so grateful wow. and you're exactly right we have been we have been in a land of abundance i mean yeah you're talking about god's blessing and now his blessings have become this curse on us yeah and well, uh, he's the gonna poorest, 
The poorest mm. of the poor in America have hospitalization. They can go to a hospital. They don't have to pay no hospital bill. Keep in mind that the children that we rescue with the Bush Kids Project, the only hope they have is not a clinic or a hospital because they have to pay for it. The only hope they have is us. And if it's us, Angels of East Africa, we need you out there to get involved and help us. I'm telling you, I, I challenge people, go to our Facebook sites. There's three Facebook sites. Now, if anyone tries to ask you for money on Facebook, we will only get you to call our office or go to our main website. We'll never ask you to send money to Africa. So be careful. But our three Facebook sites, you can see the Bush Kids Project saving lives. And, and I hope that after this, this goes out on air, I hope our office gets phone calls and people say, hey, I want to put boots on the ground. I want to go in and help to change these children's lives. I hope the phone is flooded. Well, I hope so, too. Do you mind if I go ahead and give out your phone number right now? Is that okay? No, go ahead. All right. It is 1-814-754-5702. That's one eight one four seven five four five seven zero two. And again, uh, there's a contact form as well. I'm pulling this off of that. All you got to do is uh, go over here. When you go to machinegunpreacher.org, go to more, and then there is a a contact page there. But the number is one eight one eight one four seven five four five seven zero two. And I, I got to tell you, Sam, one of the things that's interesting that that I notice about you that's different than what's being portrayed by many people about those who really care for the children, this, that, and the other, and taking in millions of dollars, is when you go to your site, you see stuff like this. And by the way, you'll, I, I'd love during the, during the thing just to play some of it, but because it's kind of distorted from you to some of the images we see. But I highly recommend people, when you go there, watch this short little 12-minute uh, testimony of Sam's, and you'll see Sam is like this. He's not walking around in some fancy suit. He's not, uh, uh, you know, Groot has the latest haircut or any of this kind of stuff or fancy shoes or fancy belt, which is what a lot of these, uh, I, I call them, you know, effeminate preachers that show up. They say they got to have the right belt or the right started. shirt. Yeah, I mean, well, but that's the I point. Believe, you're you're I a real guy. You're a real I guy and you live it that way. If we're doing kingdom work and you're a businessman, you should have a little something. Sure. I mean, I'm very big in the business. I have a lot of businesses, so I should be worth something. But I don't believe there is any minister should be worth 500, 600, or 700 million dollars when they're starving people in the world. Come on. I don't see no reason or nothing wrong with being worth a little bit of something. But when you're talking 100 million, 200 million, and they're starving children in the world, something's wrong, okay? Yeah, well, Peter tells us exactly what those guys are. Second Peter chapter 2, he paints a picture. They're after money, and they're after sexual favors, and he calls them false teachers, and he says, you know, they've been marked out for, for, for judgment. There's Come no on. doubt about it. And when you, I've told people, we went through Second Peter 2 on the show. And one of the things I said, when we go through this, you're going to get faces and you're going to get names in your head because you can't help but see what they are. You can't help yeah. but see it. And yeah. that's, that's what I wanted people to see about you. 
you're a real guy. Yeah, you got businesses. There's nothing wrong with wealth if, as long as you're using it in the kingdom. You have it with an right. open hand. And so we see but that. If I'm taking, if yep. I'm taking your money and spending it on my lifestyle, that's right. Yep, that's a problem. That well, that's a sin. That's that's a big problem. Absolutely. Yep. Now, I I make good money. I I run a security company. I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you look online, you'll see me in Africa a lot of times with a uniform on. I run a security company. Our security company puts an unbelievable amount of money into the projects directly in Africa. Every project we have in Africa, you have to have security. They pay nothing to the company that I run. So it's all free. God will take your efforts, and when he knows you're serious, and he'll keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger. Amen. Amen. You're faithful with a little, he'll be, you'll be faithful with much, right? Here's what Come I want to do, Sam. I, I have so enjoyed talking with you, and I, I don't know how often you get back in the States. I know you recently just came back, but I'd love to have you back on again when you're back over here. But I want to I give this, the, the final few minutes, you take as long as you need to. I want you to give a final exhortation to the people here who are listening, who are largely in America, but we have some Australians and some people from the UK yeah. and everywhere listening. Give a final exhortation. If you got, if this was the last thing you were to say to our audience, what would it be? Well, first thing I want to say to you, I'd love to do a Zoom with you from me in Africa. I, think I can that do would it. Be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be but really for great. Everybody out there listening, even the people that. You may not serve God, but you feel, you believe, but you don't serve. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is real. You might say, well, I done this, I done that. There's no way God can forgive me. Look into my story, read my books, watch the movie. If God can use me, he can use anyone. And I just want to tell you, we will put all of our faith in the most stupidest thing there is. You know, I'm sitting in a chair here today. I didn't walk in here and examine this chair and start checking it out. I walked in here today. I put my whole life into this chair. I didn't check it out. I didn't examine it. It's the same thing with Christ. Stop trying to examine. Stop trying to check it out. I challenge you here today, take your life and put it all into his hands. How do you begin doing that? You begin that by having a relationship through talking to him. I remember the first time I said to someone that God was talking to me, it was a religious person. They said, why would God speak to you? My mom was there, and my mom spoke up and said, God spoke to a donkey. Why wouldn't he speak to my son? So I want to tell you, God spoke to a donkey. He will speak to you, and he'll use you. And it all begins by saying, God, here I am. Amen. Forgive me of my sins. Begin to change me and begin to use me. It all begins there, and I'm telling you, in due time, you're going to see miracles begin to happen in your life. My third book coming out is titled The Most Unlikely. When you open the book, the full title is inside. The Most Unlikely Never to Succeed in Life, Sam Childers. And if he can use me, 
He is willing and he's ready to use you. Amen. Amen. What a, what a great word to end on. I want to add one thing just at a scripture here. And then if you'll hang on, I'll close out the show and I'll say goodbye to you off air. This comes, I was thinking of this when you talked about giving up everything, uh, even though God continues to funnel money through and all, you're giving it all right back into the kingdom. This is what a guy came, he came to Jesus in Luke 18 and Jesus sent it to him because the guy had called him good. He says, why call us me, thou me good? None is good save one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these things, all these I have kept from my youth. Now, you know, in his heart, he he had some problems too, just like all men do. And then it goes and it says, now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing, just one thing, you've kept the law, you say you've kept the law. One thing he hadn't, he had been an idolater. That's where Jesus is going to put his finger on Sell all that thou hast, distribute it unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come. Don't don't just sell your stuff and think that's the key here. That's just evidence of your idolatry. Get rid of that idolatry. Sell it. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I I tell you, if we're if we're not if we don't hold our lives and our possessions with an open (laughs) hand to our fellow man and to the kingdom, boy, we need to check ourselves as to whether or not we become idolaters and whether we need repenting of that. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Hang on. I'll say goodbye to you after uh, I close out the show. Bradley, be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then Lord willing, we're going to be back in the morning, 8 a.m. Kate Shimarani, be with us. We're going to be talking about those wisdom teeth that come in. And we're going to be talking about even spiritual implications of the body, this fantastic body that God has fearfully and wonderfully made for us to enjoy this life with. Don't miss that. We'll see you then.